When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome to Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles. Joined, as always, by my mainest man, Willie Saylor. This is episode number 46 of this program, and we are excited to come at you on a Monday with a full show, tons of stuff to get to. But first, let's check in to Austin, Texas, with my buddy, Willie Saylor. Willie, you were up late last night. How are you feeling currently? Late one. I'm tired. Uh, I, I, my foot still hurts. Anybody that saw me at the at the U.S. Open saw me limping around because mm-hmm. uh, I have turf toe. I think <laughs> isn't that what? On one hand, I feel like a you and Deion wuss, Sanders a, a wuss, but on the other hand, I'm pretty sure that's what happened to Bojo. So I'm on I'm like on Bojo's level. Bo Jordan. I don't think was it turf toe. I thought it was something worse. Than pretty that. pretty sure it was Bojo. Turf toe. Ah. I believe you're thinking of Deion Sanders. Um, so me and Bojo, both glorious hair, both had turf toe. Right, yeah. The similarities are endless between you two. Um, one thing I need to mention, and I, I put it in this little document in bright red letters at the top, and I still forget to say it. I don't know why. But we are on iTunes, okay? And some people didn't even realize that. And I'm going to say it all the time now so that you people subscribe and, and make sure you're listening to the show on the go. Okay, you can put it on your phone, put it on your iPod, whatever. Uh, it's there, so make sure you subscribe. Give us that five star rating. Um, we have we have actually disabled four star and below ratings, <laughs> um, so you just have to give us a five star. So don't even try it. Um, so yeah, please do that and thank you. Um, last show or two shows ago, Willie. All right, we talk about Game of Thrones, right? We do that. But Willie just dropped the spoiler bomb out of nowhere. We didn't even be like, "Hey, don't I, no. don't, don't listen." You you said, "All right, you said on the last show we're gonna talk about Game of Thrones," which true, but then you like immediately launched into it. This guy died. Like you didn't even get to warn people if they wanted to yeah. wanted to listen. You gotta let them know. Skip ahead. I know. Maybe I don't had good home training. Yeah, man, you just, just got to rein it in. I don't know the rules. You're a man of passions, okay? And, and what is what is on your heart and mind is um, is going to no come filter. out. So no hashtag no filter. So um, there, there's an apology. We'll try to do better with the spoilers. But I can't I can't make Willie say and not say certain th- certain things. That's kind of the that's, that's what makes this show uh, great. That's for sure. It is Willie is he will say something ridiculous every single show that will irritate me. 
and mm-hmm. there's nothing mm-hmm. I can do about because it it's live. So what what do you want from me? I'm sorry. Me and, Chris, me and Christian get in uh, some some level of argument at the end of each show because Christian's annoyed that I said something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't start that way. It's been the last like month where um, I felt like my buttons were pushed. But you know what? It's uh, that's okay. It's all right. We're we're when you're when you're good buddies, you're you're gonna fight. Here's a spoiler alert. Arizona State had the top recruiting class. Come on. Right, why? Because uh, everybody knew that. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I'm I'm actually kidding. So, yeah, let's let's get right into that. We'll, we'll get back to the other thing we were going to start with. You were up all night. I, I teed you up there. You were up all night doing your recruiting class rankings. They are out. They're available to be watched. Uh, watch. Uh, I suppose read. read. It's not in video form. Although, maybe next year, Willie. Could you get a little video form? Um, I don't know. They're so bulky. Yeah. You know? It would probably it's, be kind of boring. Like, if 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 that was a video, it would be two hours long and nobody would watch it. <laughs> People would tune out. Um, but um, I'm not going to read the thing to you. Arizona State was the obvious one, as Willie uh, already mentioned. And uh, you mentioned in your intro that it's kind of a down year for, for recruiting or maybe recruiting classes. Can you mm-hmm. uh, you want to expound on that maybe? Uh, I I didn't think there was many um, monster halls, right? And and maybe it's maybe it's partly because Arizona State's was put together so early, right? Like that I just feel like it, it you know it kind of loses not loses its luster, but the balloons popped there on like you know we we knew what they had before December, right? And so that's not surprising. And then even anything after, anything after number one is is sort of not very exciting. I mean, I'll say number two is Oklahoma State, and they have four top 30 guys. But even them, they're going to have problems getting guys in the lineup. Yeah, that was my big um, – I get on a talent standpoint, Oklahoma State at number two. But when you consider the obstacles these guys, and I know one of your uh, criteria are um, the work you're gonna get out of these guys. How many years of starting? Yeah, so I do I do recruiting class rankings a little different than anybody else that does them, and it's it's based on usefulness and, and maybe practicality. Um, to to take an extreme example, you know, if if one school signed four. Four of the top 149s, uh, what good does that really do? I mean, it really serves as you're signing one guy. You're going to get use out of one guy because right. you can only start 149. So um, I look at it from, from a practicality standpoint and usefulness and how many years of utility you're going to get out of um, each guy. Uh, that being said, you know that's a very simplified version. It's... There's a lot of different ways to look at recruiting yeah, class. Yeah, sure. So there's tons of variables there. Um, I personally, based on that and pretty comparable talent hall, feel like Minnesota's probably the number two because when Stevenson, Early, and Stroker, four-year starter, four-year starter, four-year starter, there's like no one really in their way. Um, yeah. Whereas Joe Smith, I mean, wherever he goes now, I have, I have a – I wonder about Joe – how big he's going to get. I feel like he just keeps growing and growing, and I don't know if he's a 57, 65. Maybe is he going to be a 74 one day? You know, he, he seems to continue to get bigger and bigger. Um, 
I don't I don't think so. I so think he projects at 57. He's there with Blees and, and Marsteller and 65, you know. Uh, well, remember probably... remember that uh, remember that Derringer graduates. Right. So they can get one of those at 65 and and JoJo is not big. Yeah. JoJo JoJo wrestles up all the time and he's a little thick and pudgy at that. So um, for instance, he wrestled his state tournament at 170 pounds. I mean, <laughs> he's wrestling junior duels at 160 scratch weight. So, I mean. He's not that big, but he can wrestle mm-mm. up because he's such a talent. Um, and, yeah, with, with Brock and Piccinini, you figure they're gonna, they should be starters. But Brock's coming into a pretty tough situation at 33 with Gary Wayne, who's, uh you know, looks to be improved. Brock, obviously, a bear talent there. So that's – um. So that's some yeah, it's it's rankings. tough because you know they have Oklahoma State has Clamara and Heil and, and Gary Wayne, um, and and the first three prospects that they have are you know Brock Piccinini and Boo Lee Wallen, and so you know there's there's a chance that those guys don't get in the lineup for a while. But I think when the dust clears, when the dust settles, um, you're going to see a lot of starting years out of them. Okay. Uh, and I think you're probably right on that. One one thing I noticed, and something, I mean, just what you what you see at the NCAA level, uh, I would take, and I'm talking about Penn State's hall here, which is small by Penn State standards, um, in, in that it's just you know they their big hall was last year, so it's it's gonna be smaller. They picked their spots. They got Vincenzo Joseph, your number three overall. To me, at a number three at 18. Just having that one guy is enough to vault you in the maybe top 15. When you consider, you know, you got a number, you know, some number 70s and number 60s yeah. uh, ahead of him. One number three is going to outperform an entire recruiting class that, you know, maybe yeah, from Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why I say it's not it's not always cut and dry. It's not always um, just NCAA it's, production. It's, 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 not, it's not simple. Like, you know, I, I would expect – uh, no disrespect to anybody, but I'm, I'm super high on Vincenzo. I think he's an All-American threat immediately, like even if the season started today and he went as a true freshman. Right. Um, and so I expect over the course of his four-year career for him to score more NCAA points than entire classes that are ahead of Penn State's. Right. However... The the impact that he'll have, um, I, I don't want to say it's less. Like, if if Princeton gets four starters and Maryland gets five starters, uh, that's huge to their program. Right. I mean, that's enormous to the program. That's that's half their starting lineup, and so uh, you got to. You gotta take. So you have to weigh that. You have to, you have to balance. I mean, it, it can't just be on potential NCA production. So I think you do this the right way. It is uh, inherently an inexact science, but I think that's you have to balance the the production, the utility you get from these guys, uh, along with you know the the talent that they possess. So I think that's. Uh, I read this and I I thought it was a fantastic job, and I read it again just because it's a lot to take in, um, but. That, that's going to be going up later this afternoon, noon central. And, uh, man, some great stuff. Good good stuff on here. So, 
Um, well, good, thank you. Good job by you, Willie. Um, one other question I had with your recruiting rankings. Do you ever air skew higher rank uh, guys? Let's say I got a 30 and he's going mm -hmm. to Penn State and I got mm -hmm. a number 30 and he's going to Michigan State. What, does does the ability or an Edinburgh going to a, a that continue, continuously takes guys that are maybe not the blue blue chippers but you know top 100 guys and turning them into you know national finalists yeah do you give them a bump because i see edinburgh and it's like oh it, there's nothing sexy about it but it's like well you know what tim flynn and company are going to probably do with these guys should you and do you give those guys a bump or if it's a school that regularly squanders talent do you give them maybe it's the number 12 do you bump them back to 17 as an example? You know, I really, really try not to right. at all. And mm -hmm. over the course of, I don't know, six or seven years that I've been doing this, um, I really have not done that. Um, you know, if, if Iowa gets a number 50 guy, your gut reaction is to say, you know, he's going to blossom under them. Um, and if, if Program X that never – that always is kind of disappointing and they get a number 50 guy and you're like, you know what? He ain't going to pan out. He's going to go up there. He's going to do nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I try my best not to do that because that skews everything. Right. Um, I try to base it only on what they have shown to be or what they could be. You know, um, that being said, uh, this year with the, with the, Edinburgh recruiting class, um, I and I wrote in there that I did give them a little bump because I just think there's so much upside to these small school kids that aren't in a very competitive room in high school. Um, they go to Edinburgh and get in a competitive room and get great coaching. There's, there's upside there. There's a lot of upside there. So I did kind of fudge on my um on my typical protocol with yeah, edinburgh this year sure all right here's here's another one what one i said one more but one more off the one more missouri mm -hmm. they not in addition to a pretty solid hall with clayton wisman and rourke they they've got two huge transfers one of them blaze butler is you know a potential title contender at 74 he's right there with the best guys and you got grant leith there at 49 uh, were you low i mean because two of those guys or i guess the question is it's obviously how do you weigh transfers because uh, yeah go ahead well blaze butler right the max they can get out of him is one year right so his his um value or contribution is somewhat limited um, and he, you know, he didn't all American last year. No. Um, and so, I mean, you could make a case for Missouri to be higher. In fact, when I first, in my first draft of this, they were higher, but, um, I think, I think what you get is it, you get Blaze Butler, right? And then you get a bunch of guys that I think it's going to take some time to develop. I mean, I think Clayton, Needs a year or two in the system. I think Wisman needs a year or two. Uh, Will Rourke, even Grant Leith, who's already has a year of college under his belt. I don't think he's um, a high AA right off the bat. I mean, so they're pr 
they'll get starting years out of these guys, but um, I think they need time to develop. Okay, fair, fair enough. I looking at them and they're right behind. It's easy to compare here. UVA, um, you know, they've got Fox, Crevis, and Cam Harrell. I don't know. Uh, I I could see them passing Virginia. Um, yeah, they could. They start, are, are you are you maybe a little higher on Crevis, perhaps? I mean, or or Fox, I guess. I guess those two are are a better better recruits than any one that Missouri pulled in. Crevis. I Hall. mean, you know, Fox is Fox's ceiling is higher than Clayton and Wisman, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and, and I would probably say Crevis's ceiling is higher than. Him. All right. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I guess I probably would too. All right, good stuff, man. This is this is great. Uh, hey, how do you think? Um, how do you think Virginia? You're you follow the Cavs quite closely. How do you think they're gonna do with Baldwin and Peppelman there? I mean, they're both kind of sixty-five. Yeah. Um, I think Bald Baldwin's gonna go right away. Is my opinion, and I think probably well, Pe- Peppelman probably goes up. To 74, okay. Yeah, that's my guess. And uh, pretty sure he wrestled at 80 kilograms at universities. Um, so I, I think I think Peppelman could stand to go up. Watching him, he's pretty he's pretty dang big. Um, yeah, he's a thick kid. Now the here's the real question is what are they going to get from Garrett? Um, he he struggled last year, there, but it was a redshirt year, so we'll see how once he's in the lineup, he puts the UVA singlet on, how he responds. But um, that they need him to, he needs to turn things around a, a little bit. But you know, still early in his career, so we'll see. They obviously do a very, very nice job of development at UVA, um, as they do at Tech and ODU. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think that's what they're gonna do there. Yeah. Um, moving on, we got our word on. The, the, the big topic all last year, or last week, I should say, was the, the Marable Green saga. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and, and everyone knows the whole story. And, and this, the word came out Friday, I believe it was Friday, no wrestle-off for Nick Marable, uh, not going to happen. So that was, um, that, that was huge. What was, your, what was your initial reaction to that? Uh, first, wow. I was really surprised. I even though it makes a lot of sense that you get the word right away, I guess I just really wasn't expecting it that week. You know, uh, just a couple of days after we talk about it, bam, we had our answer, um, which I thought was awesome. And then my my well, they have to let them know, right? Right, they, they got to figure it out. They got to figure out the world them, team because because the guys, I mean, do they have to train for a wrestle off? You have to let them know that, right? Which which is good. Now the the question is, is it over? Is this it? Is yeah. this the final word? And my understanding, and I haven't got confirmation of this, but my understanding is that there, there are still, uh, it still could be in the works. There's, there's the uh, possibility for an appeal. So this may not be 100% set in stone. Um, and Nick Marables may still have an opportunity yet. Um, another uh, takeaway, reading the verbiage of the um, trials procedure document, okay, and it's a little wordy. Basically... Well, hold on. First of all, I aren't you surprised? My first reaction was, "Oh my god!" I, I I didn't think that they would not have a wrestle off. I thought for sure, one hundred percent, there's going to be a wrestle off. Yep. 
Did you did you feel that way? Yeah, seemed inevitable. And the people I I talked with um, at Madison, right, that would know, and people that you know a little more knowledgeable than me, or a lot more, I should say. Right, and I, you know, I was reading a message board, and and w- when the story came out that there was not going to be a wrestle off, USA Wrestling had made their decision. I was reading a re- message board, and somebody was talking about this show, and they said. Um, you know, Christian and Willie really had a good show on this. However, they didn't ever report or, or say anything about um, the bylaw that said they had to weigh in uh, with the, and the 18-hour rule. Well, um, th- that's... Be- and, and I, you know, I frankly didn't think to look it up because... All the people I talked to, nobody ever mentioned that. And I, t- and I talked to... Way too many people about it. Yeah. Well, the, the re- reading it would have established nothing because it, it's it could have gone either way. Because you yes, you are supposed to weigh in, but there's an exception to be made. Um, if if they determine it's an extenuating or unforeseen circumstance, they can waive that weigh in requirement within 18 hours. So it's not a black and white. If you have to weigh in within 18 hours, if you request a, a delay. That's not the case. You, there's there's precedent for um, them saying, well, this is, was an unforeseen and extenuating circumstance. So for them, here's what I read into that. For them to say that there was no unforeseen or extenuating circumstance, they did not buy the injury. Because if, the injury. If, if he had a concussion, if he had a head injury, if he had a body, uh, an injury to his body – that is, by definition, an unforeseen or an extenuating circumstance from making weight. Well, an unex, you know, unforeseen thing is that you're walking to weigh-ins and you get hit by a car. It's not, um, I couldn't make weight, so... Um, well, right, right. But, but any injury, if, if you are running on a treadmill and you fall down and you have a concussion and are unconscious, that's an unforeseen or extenuating circumstance. So... They are straight up saying we don't we don't believe this, right? I mean that's that's pretty much the only way you can look at it. That they said this is not unforeseen or extenuating because it's not legitimate. That that's that's me reading between the lines here a little bit. But at the mm-hmm. same time, what what other conclusion can be drawn? Right. So that was that was my big takeaway. Um, that they they didn't buy it, and you know I I didn't buy it either. But I still thought we'd see it, and I don't feel you know. I, I it, it gives me no joy that they're not gonna that, that Nick Marable shadow world team is is probably done that that doesn't make me happy even though I thought it was probably not a legitimate injury I, that's just how I feel I'm not um, celebrating that in any way so it, it's kind of uh it's good and bad and maybe not over well here's the thing if there is going to be an appeal of any sort, it has to be expedited because they got to do it soon. They they have to get into litigation. I mean, not litigation, but um, they have to get into some kind of boardroom and vet it all out, and then set a wrestle off date. Um, so it, it's going to have to be done soon because they're going to have to they're going to have to set up a weigh in, set up a wrestle off, and uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I've reached out. Um, to try to figure out the status of this to people who would know um, at USA Wrestling, still waiting to hear back on on where we are with that. And as soon as we know, uh, I'll make sure you guys know. Um, 
and of note is that these two, Green and Marable, may, may not hit again for a really long time because next year is an Olympic year, so these guys are going to have to go there to go to a different way. Can't imagine Green's going to go up to 74. He weighs in, you know, super light. He's going to go down to 65. You have to – I mean, that's all. I always thought – You've always I, thought he was – I always thought James should have been at 49. Yeah. Yeah, possibly so. I think, you know, I think he would have done well there as well. Uh, and obviously, Marable's not going down to 65. He'll have to go up to 74 for the Olympic year with 70 being a non-Olympic weight. So th- this rivalry may not be renewed till you know, 2017 or something. So, um, Man, how, how, how fun will 74 be with Marable in the mix oh as well? Oh, my gosh. It's already an yeah. embarrassment of, of talent. And now, yeah. Mm-hmm. The one guy in our country that's beaten Jordan Burroughs. Um, yeah. Right. Kind of crazy. Crazy to think about. Um, so I was watching the, the Europeans um, this week. You know, they, they were kind of going up on YouTube. We were putting some on, on Flow. And I was watching the 97 final between um, Geisimov and I, – I forget his last name – a Georgian. And um, I noticed that – the the one guy was on the shot clock and he had the leg with you know 29 seconds and he was about to finish and time run up and they stopped it immediately even though he was really close to the finish I was like wait now with Brent and Oliver and Kelsey Campbell and Allie Reagan they were given this extension so I went back and watched those and and by by extension you mean when they're on the 30 second shot clock and it's closing, it's ticking down to the 30 seconds. They allow you to finish your move if you're in on a shot. Right, it, or they 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 determine that you are close to a finish of, of some kind. So I, I immediately was like, "Well, what's going on here? This this doesn't really make sense to me." We're, obviously, we're not on the same page. Uh, either USA is not on the same page with the rest of the world, or the rest of the world is not following the rules properly, but whatever it is, there's clearly a, a difference in, in how we're calling it. And it, I got pretty frustrated that we're, we're kind of doing this again, that, you know, last year we were the only country that did this almost takedown thing. You, you realize that, right? Like there was no one else, no other countries were doing it, but us. And now we're apparently the only country that is giving this 30 second extension. TR Foley who, who's all over the place watching all uh, all this action, says he's never seen it called overseas. So it's it's mind-blowing that w- I feel like it's a big deal. I feel like 30 seconds should probably just mean 30 seconds. That's my uh, – that's- I, feel, I, I feel the other way on that. However, um, I mean the larger problem is uh, I think there should be – some kind of continuity. I mean, far too often, one hemisphere is calling it one way, and the other hemisphere is calling it another. Yeah, it's it's very problematic. I mean, we've got guys making world teams once again on rules that are probably not going to be called uh, that way in September. That's that's my guess. I mean, you have the almost takedown last year. This year, it's um, the. The, the, the continuation, not only on a 30-second shot clock, that's a different issue, but the continuation on the edge. If a person is out of bounds, if they touch out, is it over? Or if they touch out, do you let the action continue through the move? Um, I saw that being different as well earlier in the year, not so much recently. But uh, 
So there's continuity issues. Yeah, and my thing is, I want I am an advocate for simplicity, and I don't want any gray area because here's the problem, Willie. And I can understand why you're saying you like the extension, but it is such a gray. A guy's progressing towards scoring. Well, what the heck does that mean? And you know. There's going to come a time when a guy probably is getting close to scoring, and he'll say, "Well, he really wasn't," and I'll put him up. And they'll yeah. be, and this is going to happen at the World Championships, Willie. And then the exact same scenario is going to happen to someone else, and it's going to be completely different. And we cannot uh, trust the the officials to get on the same page uh, on that, on what progress towards the score is. So yeah. you know what I say? Shut the door. 30 is 30. In no other sport is there uh, – I mean, in basketball, it's not 24-ish seconds to, to shoot – to, to so- take a shot. Soccer, extra time. Yeah, that like, is true. Uh, that's probably one. But there's that's a little different because there's stoppage time. You know, play stops, but they never stop the clock. That's a little different. And that gets – that can get dicey. That yeah, gets- I, certainly, I certainly see what you mean. Perhaps um, with – I don't know. And Maybe. soccer, I'll a, a say sport I'll riddled say with corruption also. Well, yeah, with with kind of shaky-ish officials, and no one wants gray area. Maybe that is the best route to take. I just – I like rewarding somebody that's being aggressive. I mean, if, if he's on a legitimate shot, but then that's what you're saying. Like, who determines if it's a legitimate shot? Who, who determines if Progress. they are legitimately progressing to score? You know, so maybe you're right. Yeah, that's that's my – I, I do agree with you. I just I have no confidence that it's going to be appropriately called and consistently called. So I say just just get rid of it altogether. Um, let thirty be thirty. That's more simple for fans. That's more simple for coaches. I mean, the coaches didn't. I don't know if they knew about the extension um, of of the shot clock at the, the United States. So um, I say screw it. Get rid of that. Let thirty be thirty. And I think we'll have a lot fewer headaches and a lot fewer controversial moments um, th- than than we would the other way. So I'm hoping that they clarify that and that everyone's going to get on the same page. And hopefully, thirty. I mean, thirty. But I don't. I don't know for I sure. I hope uh, whatever way it goes. I hope we know at least by worlds what they're going to call. Yeah, you think? I mean, it's kind of nice to know the rules before um, a tournament starts. Uh, novel. Um, so this weekend, all right, uh, I've watched and played baseball kind of my whole life. I don't really play baseball anymore, you know, softball, whatever, rec league stuff. Um, and I'm you're, wa- you're in a softball beer league, I bet. It's No, it's, it's church league. I'm a, I speed around the base paths. I can't hit very far. Anyways, irrelevant. <laughs> irrelevant. I know the game well, but a baseball – to, to me is I think it's really backwards like the culture around baseball I think it bothers me and what what I'm getting at is so if you didn't see Max Scherzer the pitcher for the Nationals had a perfect game going with two outs and I think two strikes um, and he throw, comes inside with a curveball and the batter pretty blatantly not super blatantly but drops his elbow gets hit by the pitch takes first breaks up the perfect game and which what a goof! Well, hey, who cares? Don't don't come inside. Don't don't make, let that be an option. the The thing about a perfect game, there's been twenty three ever in the history of baseball. Twenty three. It is. It's on the ref too. What a bum! Why for not ringing him up? Uh, for not 
Yeah. For for leaning in. I mean, he dropped his elbow. You know, it says in the rule book that you have to You can't lean. Make an attempt to avoid being hit. Well, what whatever. You don't see that. I I can't Barry Bonds used to wear body armor and lean over the plate. <laughs> yeah, he did. He, he got He looked yeah. like an armadillo. <laughs> Yeah, he actually did. That's true. And it also, his uh, feet grew six sizes when he turned 32. So, another uh, little fun fact about Barry. The point Bond. is, the point is, are there are there different rules under different circumstances? I mean, you know, I, I'm sitting here saying that. Well, actually, the, here the point is. First, people were ripping this Tabata guy for for getting hit by the pitch, like he's so classless and. Bush League and and what what who cares? He's going out there. I right, hear this team wants one thing. I don't want that thing. Okay, that's like the competitor in I think all of us and including me. I don't want what the other team wants. They want a perfect game. I'm going up there. I'm gonna try to not get it. If that means I gotta lean a touch, whatever. If it's a problem, then you call it. I mean, I I don't I don't understand it and the the backlash that this guy received. Um, I thought was kind of hilarious. I'm like, well, put yourself in that situation. You don't want to give up the perfect game, and whatever it takes, who who really cares? Um, and, and I feel like there's all these unwritten rules in baseball, and to, to which I said they're not actually rules then. Well, I unwritten. mean, we, yeah, we can get into the unwritten thing, but leading into a pitch is in the rule book. It's never called. Ever. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's an unwritten rule. The unwritten rule is even if you get hit by a pitch and you don't try to get out of the way, they're still going to call it hit by pitch. I mean, you do actually I'm – not, I'm not saying that it wasn't intentional. I'm not saying – but when you're swinging, your elbow drops, okay, When you and your wrist comes through. So it's not like it was a super unnatural motion. Um, you know, that, that can happen. If you're inside and you swing, your arms can get Come hit. Come on. I'm, I've, like I said, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Um so I, but baseball in general, I'm so glad that wrestling does not take cues from baseball for so for so many reasons. I think so many of their, uh, the ways they stifle personality, the way they they they're so old order, um, which you could say there is a little bit of that still in wrestling. Wrestling, I mean, what do you mean stifles personality? Base. Oh, if you if you flip your bat after you hit a home run, just flip. Flip it. Look at the flick of the wrist. You just flip your bat. You are going to get a 95 mile an hour ball chucked at your rib cage for that. If you <laughs> stare at your ball for longer than you know, yeah. Three, but okay, and so don't say so, baseball does it. The culture does it. Okay, whatever. Like it's the not like backwards. The, uh, it's not like, like the umpires. If you hit a if you hit a home run off me and. I and didn't say it was you. the umpires. I said I've said it's okay. The, I said the culture is backwards. But the differentiation is uh, that you that the league is doing that. No, I didn't. I didn't say the league is doing. You that. didn't say it, but it has to be clarified. Okay, sure, clarifying the, the culture. league is not stifling it. It's the players themselves are policing themselves. Yeah, and the fact that, and this is why they're so backwards. The fact that you can, if you look at your baseball as you hit it out of the park, or you pump your fist maybe one times too many, that is considered worse than throwing a 95-mile-an-hour fastball at someone's face. That's worse. I mean, what world are we living in? These people are so 
Such a bunch of I, weirdos. I, I, I quite like it. I it's I like nuance. They're so sensitive. Don't show me up. No one's gonna show me up. I'm gonna throw the ball at him. I mean, they're they're cave, yeah, they're think, cavemen. I think uh, I think hitting somebody because they they you know quote unquote showed you up or or they you know you they hit a home run off you so you're gonna hit them. I think that's so sissy. That's my point. Yes. Like, I mean, um, I'm not saying don't throw it, guys. Fair? How is it fair to hit somebody with a ball? Yeah, I mean you just you just gotta stand there and take it. I mean, that being said, I'm all for little nuances in the game. I'm you know, in in any game, it makes things interesting. Like oh, a guy hits a home run. Sometimes if you're just hitting home runs a lot, they'll just hit you. They'll just hit you for having a good game. Just being like, good. Yeah, just just for being good. All right, this will show you for showing us. I I don't know baseballs. Backwards, but it brings us to the point. Does wrestling have unwritten rules? What are the unwritten rules of wrestling? I don't, I don't know that there are, but I think if there are, they all pertain to to officiating. Uh, there's some, but there's not many to, like little cultural, in, culturally ingrained. Uh, yes, things. there's definitely culturally ingrained things. Okay, give me an example. If well, you you're not allowed to. You're also not allowed to cheer. You're not allowed to show emotion. Oh, I disagree. I, I think we I think we've come up so far. After guys scored, the you run to your coach, you're hugging, you pump your fist. I mean, now if you go the Darian Caldwell route, that that's uh, you know that could anger some people, particularly Iowa fans. But but by and large, when you pump your fist, the the wrestling community looks down upon. Like, I, do, I I I disagree. I really think that's changing changing a lot. You're seeing you're seeing celebrations all the time. I'm not hearing boos. Guys are do. I mean, maybe if you if you go Dylan Palacio and shush the crowd and whatnot, or you know, go out of your way to taunt. But if you are celebrating excitedly, I find me an example. I just don't. I simply don't see it. I I don't see the the backlash or the outrage of of um, even the most enthusiastic of celebrations. I don't see it. I really don't. Mm, I don't know. You don't know. I mean, I, I, I immediately think of Tony Ramos. Come on. I mean, the, he, Tony, wants that. He wants that. He's I don't doing... care what he wants. I mean, yeah. And why does if he, even if he wants it, he's achieving it in ways that aren't that big a deal in other sports. When he does the break symbol, when he does that clapping thing, like nothing to it. Right. He's trying to get he's he's in pursuit of the the both the negative and the positive reaction. He wants, Because it's so easy to get under wrestling fan skin. I don't I don't think it's under he's being the heel, you know? He's making you boo him. That's what it's I don't think it's people are outraged at this is just classless or it's just like oh boo you you're against my oh. yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's I don't think People are. I mean, I I, I see a lot. I, I mean, I, I I just don't see what he does to me isn't that egregious. Well, and I, I don't re- think wrestling so fans wrestling fans think so. I don't I don't think they. Oh do. my god! Read any message board in America. Now, if you take some some of the things he um um, I'll tell you what. You don't like Tony Ramos? Beat him. Right. Beat the guy. Right? You don't like him. You don't like him. His antics beat him. Well, there's not many people. Nobody, nobody in America can do it. I, I don't think. I, I honestly don't think people are super 
Oh my god. I, I really don't. I don't I don't think wrestling stifles um stifles athletes. Not the way baseball does. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? If you're having a good match, the, you know, ah uh, no. I disagree. I couldn't couldn't disagree any strongly. I mean, it does it exist sure, but to the degree I think yeah, I no. I think wrestling fans are are completely judgmental. Maybe. I, I don't I don't see it that way. I mean, look at the look at Flapgate. <laughs> Come on. Now the guy did a the guy did a flap and and like uh Come Bed- on, Willie. Bedlam broke out. Come on. Well, first of all, you're in the most uh is volatile the word? Carver Hawkeye is the most explosive atmosphere for wrestling, maybe, you know, in the world. those it's just a Come on, I'm waiting for a point. It's a madhouse. Okay, so you've got a a, a rabid fan base, okay. Uh-huh. You have the Missouri Tigers flapping mm-hmm. their wings. They're, they want to mm-hmm. get booed. It's not you're correl- here's your problem. You're correlating booing with moral outrage. That's not what's happening. Booing is like a part of the sport. You boo A Rod when he comes to the not, plate. Not you boo moral outrage. You boo LeBron James when he comes out because he's playing your team. It's it. They're booing him because they were they were taunting. Okay, and they wanted to be booed. I'm not saying it was a big problem. It it wasn't. I thought it was great. I thought it was, you know, great theater. But it wasn't this, you know, people weren't morally outraged by it, by Flapgate. They they were flapping their wings like birds. They'd never done that once. No one had ever seen them do that once. And they break it out against what? Oh, the Iowa Hawkeyes that are birds. I mean, and I know the ball hawk thing, football, that's like legitimate. But they didn't break like, it out. Break they didn't break the it out against the... Oklahoma State. Exactly. So, so they, they, you know, they were trying to get under Iowa's skin. What's wrong with it? It wasn't. It wasn't more. Like, that's what I'm saying. What's wrong with it? I don't think many people thought there was a lot wrong with it. I mean, I would. Do you, do you expect Iowa fans to enjoy that? Do you expect them to celebrate uh, a, a team that just beat them, flat, flapping their wings? Do you expect them to? Give that a, a, a golf clap? No, what are your expectations in that about, situation? I'm not talking about Iowa fans. I'm talking about, in general, wrestling people don't like you showing somebody up. Uh, uh, maybe. And I say, let him, let him go. Let him go. Flap, flap, but, but, flap right, your so, wings. So Tigers. last week, last week um, there was this thing. I, uh, a pitcher for the Texas Rangers was pitching a no-hitter. Oh, this is the worst thing ever. No, it's not. This is the most backwards uh, thing. Go, Keep going. This is, all right, so this there's is a, mind-blowing. A, there's a, a Texas Ranger pitcher is throwing a no-hitter. <laughs> they go, the, the, the television, the, the broadcast goes to an on-field reporter. She's, it's a woman. She's actually in the dugout. And she does the unspeakable. I applaud she, her. I need her uh, name. Don't ap- I, I applaud, applaud her. Thank what you. Is she, is she completely she's oblivious? A, she's a pioneer is what she is. She's fighting. She's a blooming idiot. Oh, come on. She's doing what she should. Keep going. She's a hero. <laughs> she. So she's in the dugout. It's like the seventh or eighth inning. This guy's pitching a no-hitter, and she says on air live to the uh, manager – so, you know, your pitcher's throwing a no-hitter. What do you think? You know, how can he keep it going? <laughs> now, anybody that has watched baseball for, like, three minutes 
knows that when somebody is throwing a no-hitter, you no broadcaster, no baseball player, nobody in the stand, nobody should bring it up. Nobody should mention. It's like a jinx. And what happens immediately after she asks, the no-hitter gets broken up. Because no-hitters get broken up. Not because of jinxes. What are they? Warlocks and sorcerers? It's baseball. The reason perfect games and no-hitters get broken up is because they're extremely rare and Baseball you don't can, do it. Yes, you do. I, you have, no, it no. Has to, you, listen, as a matter of fact, here's why. you don't. Nobody does, ever. You should always, and here's why. One, d- oh jinxes God. and curses don't exist. They're not real. I mean, do you guys know anything? It's it, that's not. They don't exist. All right, first of all. Second You're of talking all. talking about a sport where the guy will wear the same jockstrap for a month if he's batting, if he's hitting good. That's his problem. Whatever, that's placebo effect. If that if that helps him psychologically, whatever. There's they can't hear the broadcast. They get who cares? It's a real thing. All right, listen to this. I I I'm flipping through a game. Oh, nine nothing Rangers. Ah, okay, keep going. Um, watch for one minute. They don't say anything. Who who's gonna stay and watch? Because. Oh, it's a big secret up in this booth. You can't say this guy's got a perfect game going. There have been 23 ever. In what other sport are they not going to mention something historic and incredible happening? When a, a golfer is going for the Grand Slam, when a wrestler is undefeated. Oh, we don't. Sh- we, we I mean, they, don't talk. They, don't don't yeah, put his record. Again, we'll put on the bottom line, you know, Christian Piles has a no hitter through seven. Oh, so you, you can type it, but you can't say it. You can, yeah, no, because Who, players can't hear it. Are the players tuning in on. To the TV, watching? I, I thought they were doing something they were, like, playing. Can you don't you, say it. You know, often... Say it. Pro say You should always say it. You educate the people that are trying no, to watch. you should not say it. You should, you should. always say it. These, what? You have problem. You have a problem with nuances. And, Baseball and... people are so weird. You can't talk about something historic happening. In what other world, what other sport is, is that even a thing? I, I get it. Maybe not going up to the pitcher, you know, between innings. Hey, how's the old arm feeling? You know, there's only been 23 perfect games. You don't know. Okay, so you maybe don't <laughs> go that route. That's a little invasive. But asking the manager, what's he pitching? What is he gonna telekinetically psych out the um the pitcher as if the pitcher and everyone in the freaking ballpark and the doesn't know there's a uh, a no hitter going. So don't talk about it. You talk about it as much as possible. It's, it's, you fly a plane over the stadium that says, no, no, going through seven. I'm pro everything. You announce I'm, it. I am 100% positive that there are social faux pas that you do not participate. I mean, that you participate with. Maybe. That, I'm not ruling it out, but nothing is as stupid as this. You can't if I could never broadcast baseball for probably a variety of reasons. The main one being my moral objection to not educating the people listening on what is going on in the game. What a I I can't believe this is a thing. It's 2015. But you can tweet it. You can tweet it. You can put it on social media. Yes. You can't and yes, there are unwritten rules in wrestling. Okay. I, I was waiting. Is there anything as stupid as a broadcaster not being able to say there's a perfect game going? Well, let me tell you this. I would say yes, because um, me as a broadcaster not saying there's a no-hitter in progress does not affect the game. However, 
when I'm in overtime and you're on bottom, I drop to an ankle, first one, stalemate. That is affecting the outcome of the of the competition. Okay. Um, That's an unwritten rule. Sh- sure. I don't and I don't agree with it. I don't subscribe to it. Um and also it, we're talking about two different things, the actual sport and the broadcasting and the educating and the product you're giving fans. Um, it's two very different things, and there's nothing like it in wrestling. It, essentially, you're saying you, you, are, you are opposed to tradition. It's a tradition. Traditions I mean, it, it, are dumb. You know, black people used to not be able to play baseball. That's a, that was a tradition. I mean, who can, tradition can be lame in a lot of instances. Especially in baseball. There was a 20-year tradition of using cattle steroids in mass. No one ever talks about that. Give me a break, tradition. Uh, uh, your, tra- your tradition is completely... Tradition. I can't... Oh, so uh, you don't give your kids Christmas gifts? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's uh, uh, tradition... There's bad traditions. This is a bad, dumb tradition. And it speaks it to... Ba- baseball can't evolve. That's their problem. And in 20, 30 years, all their fans that are now sitting in recliners reading the newspaper, they're all going to be gone. If you were, and they have you, no talent. And If you were in the Final Four, you wouldn't cut down the nets because it's pointless. It's stupid. No, that's what, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, that doesn't, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing either. There, there is. You're not telling the people listening something historic is going to happen. Oh, Kale uh, Sanderson, uh, we're not going to... Probably gonna... about 1970, they invented this scoreboard thing that says runs hit... Listen. Uh, all right. Kale Sanderson's last match, we're, we're not going to mention he's 158-0 and that no wrestler... Because we don't want to jinx it. We don't want to jinx it, Gail. Uh, everyone talked about the entire time. He probably had to answer a thousand questions from his freshman year on. You were a four-time undefeated national champ. That's just that's just a part of it. But baseball, if if it's on the airwaves on a radio station, that somehow jinxes it. Backwards weirdos. Baseball is so tradition. It's the stupidest I mean, tradition I, ever. I'm, I do not want to break it. To Caleb that he's not getting Christmas gifts this year. He's getting Christmas gifts because he's been a good Why? Guy. That's a tradition. Did, when did I say I am anti-tradition? I am anti... You just said traditions are stupid. Th- there are traditions that are stupid, and there are traditions that are fine. This is a dumb tradition. Uh, g- uh, gifts have nothing to do with Christmas. Okay. So why do it? Why give gifts? I don't know, really. This is That's such a... Such a left field point you're trying to make. It's it's clumsy. This is clumsy. No. <sighs> Please, uh, no. I've I've had enough of this. I've had enough of baseball. I, I'm so mad right now. I could just hit the stop button on this show. Ten minutes. Where, where is? You're upset about baseball because the Orioles stink. They don't. They hey they won this. They were up seven zero and almost lost. Anyways, um, we got to stop. People are probably gonna be stopping listening. They don't want baseball talk. Um. I hope that was at least entertaining. We we got a lot left on this little docky doc to get to. Let's talk. You want to talk a little international? Because I do. So let's go. European, well, there was a message board. Okay, go ahead. Europeans go went down. Uh, they occurred. Anwar Godoyev at seventy four one. He looked pretty good. Um, I love the Europeans. The the the. Uh, oh, it was pretty freaking. First good. ever European games. You know they've always had. Um, the champion European European championships and continental. Um, but this year they had European Games, which is like the Olympics with all kinds of other sports, water polo and basket weaving and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in addition to wrestling. So uh, it was a big deal over there. There was a lot of international studs. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned, with Godoyev winning, you have to assume that's the final nail in Dennis Sargush's coffin for, yeah. for representing them at 74. And um, Sargush, obviously, he's the reigning world champion, but he fell at Russian Nationals, didn't get pulled through, didn't even get bronze, I don't believe. Um, and that was that was it. So you got to figure, you got a guy that wins Russian Nationals, he wins Europeans. Godoyev's going to be the guy. And... Mm-hmm. Um, this this dude cannot challenge Burroughs. And I know he looked good and he's got a pretty nice gut, but it's not it's not happening. Yeah. It's not happening. I mean, I don't think well, it's first happen- of all, Bur- Burroughs already gave him this work before. He uh he beat him up bad at um I think it was beat the streets, like teched him, smashed him. Um at least one. It might yeah, have been I don't a three think, period. I don't thing. think he can go with them either. However, you win Russian nationals and you win um, Europeans, and he, you look as good as he looked, and he's pretty darn good, man. Yeah, he'll, he'll he he can go ahead and medal. He can take one of those silver or bronze ones, but he's yeah. He's I'm not... just saying, and and to be honest with you, I mean, you can say I'm crazy and say I'm an American homer, but Sargush Sargush wasn't beating Bur- isn't beating Burroughs this year anyway. No, no, I agree, but I, I yeah, I agree. I I, I will. I can't – I haven't picked Burroughs to not win a tournament since, like, I don't even know, 2010, 2009. I just – I think he's going to win everything he ever enters, and I'm. it's going to take a lot for me to change that. So I, I think he was going to win, but I think now this sets now, I mean, Sargush is maybe more dangerous, if that makes any sense. Oh, I mean, I think sure. Ilya right now is, is, is better. There, there's no but, one person you – uh, with a better chance in the world of beating um, JB than Dennis. That's that's the one guy that can do it. And he's got a, a style that can – one style that can somewhat slow down, and he's so good at finishing that he doesn't need to get the legs that many times. Um, Sargush is super dangerous, super dangerous, really good when you're on his legs too. So uh, Godoyev doesn't present those problems. And even then, Burroughs was still 2-1 and one against him, 2-0 and oh when he had working limbs. So – um, get, got Soloff DMP'd at heavyweight. Score yeah, he got beat there. by he got beat by an Armenian, an old Armenian. Mm, that's the worst kind. <laughs> the most dangerous kind of Armenian. But you know that weight was crazy. Uh, Shimarov and there was three, there was three there was world three champs. world champions in that weight. Yeah, but he didn't lose to a world champ. So that no. while that is a um, phenomenal stat you have to lose one of those for that to be an excuse um, yeah it's Scott amazing Soloff. that i don't know he you know he didn't place at worlds last year either and he's getting up there in age and he's undersized and it, it, it's almost surprising that he's still the guy yeah i i think makov just can't right i believe you've said that makov just can't beat i mean that's Soloff, that's so what the Greco. book is that's what they say is that makov is Great, Makov's awesome, and he's young, and uh, Enormous. but he just can't beat right, but he can't beat Katsalov. So I don't know. Maybe that's one of those cases where you just make the decision. I don't know, but I mean, Makov didn't even. Re- I don't even think he wrestled at Russian Nationals. No, I think he's just. I'll just go Greco now. So that's interesting. Um, that he didn't. Akul is so good. Shim- oh, yeah. Shimarov, he. 
I can't stand watching that dude. He is like just all counters. That's all he looks for. Won a world championship just countering everybody practically. Um, so I was glad to see Akul take care of him. I think he's darn good. Oh, he got smoked at the World Cup. I forget who. Someone teched him that I never even heard of. I don't. I don't think he's that good. I think. Now he's beating some good guys. It's it's all relative, right? He's a freaking world champ. I mean, it's all relative, people. But uh, he he doesn't impress me like Akul does. I mean, Akul, the the way uh, yeah. he, he attacks the legs is is it's a thing of beauty for when you consider his size. And, and Turvel's right there. Um, and I believe is. Think do you think Turvel will be healthy by? Oh, let's hope he's healthy by September. I hope so. I hope so. You know, Turvel, he's not a. He's not old, but he's not a spring chicken, you know. So, uh, do injuries tend to linger a little bit more as you get up in age? Pro- you know, probably so. Look at Willie Saylor; he's got gout slash turf toe. You know, <laughs> so it's it's there's there's no end in sight for his pain. Now, Travell, a slightly more dedicated athlete than Willie, um, slightly, slightly. Uh, so who knows? But yeah, we you gotta hope. You got, I mean, it's June, and he has till September. So theoretically, unless it's a chronic thing that. Travell just has to deal with from now on. You would think it would be uh, improved. So I, I think and, and hope it will be better. Also of note, someone that we talked about, and I have said, and I don't know on radio, but you know, G- Gadisov has looked at times completely unbeatable, and mm-hmm. at the 97 kilo for Russia, and he lost to to Geizimov at at yeah. UFC. You know, there's chatter like. He's on the uh, pound for pound. Pound for pound. Ca- well, Lee uh, Roper. Lee Roper is the one that first said that to me. He might be the number one. Mm-hmm. But this would this kind of flies in the face of that. Uh, the, the kind of book on Gadisov is is that he chokes a little bit. People people suggested that. I don't I don't throw that out there. I don't really subscribe to it either. But you know, he he should he should be putting distance between uh, he and Geisimov, who is obviously incredible and and very good, but. When, when you consider where their traje- trajectory should be, he should be starting to pull away. Wasn't – what didn't Russia have another 97 in the past, 96 in the past that basically said, you know, his thing was that he choked often? I, I, I can't or, – Maybe they were talking about Kitsalov a couple well, of years ago. Yeah, he was down there before. I mean, they they just seem to just roll out elite 96, 97 kilo guys. But so he loses. So part of me is like, well – I'm thinking about Kyle, Kyle Snyder, how how he's going to do. Can he go with a Gadisov? Can he go with a Geisimov? Can he go with a, a Yazdani? I mean, those are three um, extremely high-level guys that he's going to have to be contending You know, I, I I watched a lot of the 97s at Euros, and, and who knows if, you know, Gadisov's clicking on all cylinders or even Gazumov's clicking on all cylinders, um, which was the world final last year, but... um. Not just because Gadisov lost, I, I I just just watching him. I I believe I believe that Snedek can beat some of these guys. Yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see his ability to control the center of the mat. Um, that was what killed him again. That's what killed Varner against Geisimov at Worlds last year. He just kept getting pushed out of bounds, oh. pushed out, underhook, pushed out of bounds. Snyder's gonna be able to fight out of that. I believe. I believe. I'm predicting. Snyder is very good. Matt awareness. Yeah, I mean, we watched. He walked that tightrope at that one point, and uh, I think it was match one against Varner. He's yeah, great Matt awareness, but it's hard to believe. But he's a better hand fighter and a little more able to impose his positional will better than Varner. But that just 
That seems well, to be the case right now. It, yeah, but Varner's so big. How do you move him? Like, I remember at Worlds oh, no, last he year, moves him. like, he was getting pushed out, and I was thinking to myself, Jake, you didn't realize that you were close to the edge? Because it looked like it looked like Zumoff just walked him out. Yeah, it, time and time again. But, you know, we've we've seen that with Jake before. We, we've seen it with Bergman um, against Varner. So it's just, you know. One area that can be exploited for hey, from a, for an otherwise of, uh, impenetrable wrestler. Speaking of Kyle Snyder, we got one minute to go. Christian, yes, yes, uh, I believe uh, this is still somewhat in the works. But tomorrow we should have a special edition Flow Radio Live with Tom Ryan, hopefully with Kyle Snyder. And uh, last week we we posed the question. Willie posed the theory. Maybe uh, this would be uh, maybe Snyder if he has this World and Olympic success would choose to, to not come back to Ohio State because of you know the rules with amateurism and his ability to earn money. Um, we're going to clarify all of that um, tomorrow. So you're not going to want to miss tomorrow. It's 11 o'clock now. Um, Willie, thanks for teeing that up, and thank you once again for listening, guys. Once again, we are on iTunes, available for download. Just search Flow Wrestling Radio Live. Subscribe, five stars. Um, and yeah, we're going to be coming at you tomorrow morning, same time, 9 a.m. Central. And um, we really appreciate you guys tuning in as always. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks a lot. Have a good Monday.